pray. Amen. And so next week is the beginning of Holy Week, and this morning is the last of my talks that I informally called the spokespapers, if, uh, but just the beginning of the practice of the things that are in the spokespapers. This is a major movement in my attempt to lead this church into a continued faithfulness and effectiveness in following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus. So over the years, this church has a history of not, nothing to be like arrogant proud of, but a, a history of trying to be faithful at taking initiative to do things and support good things and to give the gospel. And I like this church. I liked it when I came. I didn't feel like when I got here, oh, I need to change everything. I, I felt like when I got here, oh, these people have had really good leadership the, that did a lot of the things that I would think churches should be doing and thinking like churches should be thinking. That's how it felt. Of course, you probably remember that. And it's, it, we're in our sixth year now. And I, I remember when I came, uh, Lois and, and I and our family came at a, at a, at a really a, a time when it was good to be in a, in a healthy uh, church that would love us. And you did that, and we'll always appreciate that. So I, on my watch, as one of the leaders, um, I want to be faithful to the Lord. And I want to see our church continue to take initiative to do things that will reach people and help them follow the Lord. And that's important to me. And so I'm going to be very simple and practical. That's what these spokespapers, we have the Bethel wheel and the papers help our spokes in the wheel, get it? They're ideas about how to move around that wheel, which the wheel represents being a disciple. Going to all the world, make disciples, go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey my commands. That's in the Great Commission in Matthew and verses 18 through 20, which we frequently read. Let me read a version of that to you. Jesus came, told his disciples, this is a post-resurrection appearance, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them, these new disciples, to obey the commands that I have given you. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them, teach them to obey my commands. Straightforward, super simple. Not necessarily easy, but straightforward and simple. Go tell the people about me. When they believe, baptize them, and then show them my commands together. Obey my commands with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll always be with you, he says, even to the end of the age. Now, that wasn't immediately before Jesus' ascension, and the reason we know that is because he was in Galilee when he said that on the mountain. Remember that? And what mountain did Jesus ascend from? Olives, Mount of Olives. And so that was 80, 90 miles south of there. So it was later, just before his ascension, when we arrive in the beautiful book of Acts. And the book of Acts is just a bunch of stories how people took the Jesus story and they took it around the world and then other people encountered Jesus and he was good for them. Has, been Jesus, has Jesus been good for you today? Can I get a hearty amen if Jesus has been good to you? Just checking. Okay, that's what I thought. I could tell by looking at you just all quiet about it. And, and, uh, and so Jesus, uh, the, when the Jesus story uh, encounters new groups and new people, it's good for them. And it's good for them forever. And that's the way it's been in my family. I'll talk about that in a minute. But listen to what he says just before he ascends from Mount of Olives. This is recorded in Acts 8. 
Um, he, he says um, uh, in verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus says to them, It's not for, me, for, for you to know the times or seasons the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's referring to Pentecost. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and ja Jackson, Michigan. I mean, and to all the uh, ends of the earth, all over the world, to the end of the earth. And when he said these things while they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So this would have been a moment, momentous. He gets, he gets raptured up into heaven right after he says, go be witnesses. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. You go tell everybody now. So question, how do you do that? How have, I mean, how have you done that? How are you doing that? How are, how are you doing that? If Jesus walked up to you and goes, remember what I said? You heard, did you hear the Acts 1-8 thing? You'd be like, yeah, the pastor always was talking about that. Did you hear the uh, Matthew 28 thing? Yeah, Pastor had a whole thing where he just like, it's like he never took another text. And he just kept saying the same thing over and over again. I remember that. Okay, he said, well, so what did you do? Well, you know, a lot of things you could say, well, you know, to beautify the message, I practiced the bells. Well, thank you. Amen. I played my horn. Amen. I made the heat work when it was cold. We all appreciated that. I made the cool work when it was hot. Thank you for that. I helped with the parking lot. I taught a Sunday school class. Isn't that sweet? I, I love to think about that. You say, I gave some money. I love you, Jesus. That's what I did. I didn't know what to do for sure because I'm not really good at things, but I made sure that my neighbor kid went to camp. <laughs> I love going to camp and saying, how many of you paid your own way? Raise your hand. And usually there'll be like this one kid. And right, right now, maybe one kid will like, I paid my own way. Most of the kids like, I'm like, oh, wow. Somebody loved you. They could have bought an iPad with what it cost you to go there. A cheap iPad. But, you know, you could, I'll tell them something like that. It's like somebody cares about you. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Whatever, what do you do? What are you going to tell? So what I'm talking about today is let's keep encouraging one another in the stuff to reach people who don't yet know the Lord. But here's the thing. Used to be back in the day, old people can talk like this, when I was a kid, when my mom was a kid, you could just kind of hang out a shingle and say, we're going to have a Jesus talk, y'all come, and you, know, you, you, or you didn't have to do much, and, and people would just kind of flock in more than now. But now we're going to have to go into all the world because we're less Christian as a nation or Christianish. And so, more paganish, more less likely just to show up at church. And, and so, we, remember, we weren't told, go into all the world and invite them to come to church. We were told, go into all the world and make disciples. So, we've got to learn to take the gospel. So, to that end is what I'm driving with these smoke papers. How can we, and this is what I'm going to talk about today, and, and, um, and here's what I'm going to do so that it's super clear, is I'm going to say a bunch of things but I want to tell you what my conclusion is first, so, so if the other stuff is unclear to you, you're going to get the one thing I'm trying to get to happen today, all right? Just make it super clear. Here's what I'm driving toward. You know, people say, preach for a verdict. Here's a verdict I'm looking for. You're going to say, at the end of the message, all the good children are going to say, 
Pastor, I want to have a prayer partner with me so that we can encourage each other and hold each other accountable to, to, to help others follow Jesus. Right, That's what I'm driving toward. I'm going to drive toward today. I'm going to ask you to, to consider. I'm going to make you do anything. Love you, like you. You're a, you're a grown-up, so you can do what you want. But I'm going to challenge you as a pastor to get a partner. Uh, you know, other than your wife or husband, but a partner that will pray with you every week, a prayer partner that will pray with you every week and will help hold you accountable, encourage you to, to follow Jesus in the simple ways I'm going to explain. Every, like, if this works right, everybody just, it'd be like, you remember when you're in the pool and you were like, get a buddy? And everybody go, all right, get a buddy. And everybody pairs off. Everybody gets a buddy today. And, and the, 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 the strategy behind that is because the, where, where two or three are gathered, you know, God says, I work among them. And, and where, where, where two people gather together, what do you have? It's almost like a group. It's like the first iteration of a grow group is where two people are saying, all right, let's do those Jesus things and let's, let's hold one another accountable. Let's encourage one another. Let's figure out how to do it. Let's pray toward that together. I'd like to see the whole church divide up into little groups and then say to the Lord, get a, get a partner. And you talk to them at least once a week. I'm imagining, you know, that, that we quit, uh, we say amen, and then the two ladies are sitting up here and their heads are kind of leaning together and they're praying for each other. And they're praying for who they know that doesn't know the Lord. And they just take a minute or two. Or maybe they get a phone call on Monday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. and Hey, we're not going to be able to get together, but I wanted to call and talk and see our little Skype or Zoom visit or whatever. And that men do that and teens do that. And then, and then we, we ask each other the questions that are, so who do you know that doesn't know the Lord? And who are you praying for? And what are you doing to get the gospel to them? And what have you invited them to? And how have you loved them? Let's just hold each other accountable to that so that we're reaching out to people who don't know the Lord while we're encouraging one another. I know that's going to stretch some of you, but that's where I'm headed, okay? And with all of that, I got some other stuff. So let me just, let me just walk through this. I'm giving you two spokespapers today just to thoroughly confuse you, all right? So there are six of them all together. And the purpose of the spokespapers is for you to use them like you get somebody else and you say, let's study this first one. And we study the first spokespaper and the second one are both about repent and believe. They're about how to have effective gospel conversations and how to understand the gospel myself and help somebody else understand the gospel. So the first two spokespapers are little papers with diagrams and they're available out there and eventually soon here we'll bind them together and we'll keep working on them, keep making them a little bit better. So you'll have like a little book that you could take your, your, your husband, your wife, your child, your grandchild, a neighbor, a friend, another person in the church, just start through those papers together. We talk through them from the pulpit, but you'll go through them like one-on-one, -on -one, and, and, they, and they're just kind of a, 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 a kickstarter for helping somebody follow Jesus. How do you help somebody follow Jesus? You can use the spokespapers to start. We'll give you some other tools, but the first of, of them was you know, tips and ideas about how to communicate the gospel to people, to believe and repent, repent and believe. The second one was the second one kind of on the same subject about stories and passages and circles, if you remember. The third one was what you do after you repent and believe, which is you get baptized. That's what they do in the Bible. They got baptized. It's about baptism. You say, well, I'm already baptized. Is everybody that you know, has they followed the Lord in baptism? No. 
Well, see, there you go. Now you study that so that you can help them follow Jesus. Here's why you should be baptized. And let me, help, let me show you this in the Bible. And that's super clear in the Bible. The, if you meet somebody, the first thing you should be thinking, have they repented and believed? And the second thing you should be thinking, are, and are they baptized? I mean, that's easy. It's, that's so clear. It's following Jesus is repent, believe, be baptized. The fourth one is how to live a life of continual obedience or how to walk in the spirit. And that's super exciting. And that's the fourth one. And the fifth one today, and the sixth one, we'll kind of cover it super quick today. The fifth and the sixth are, are how to form a group so that you grow or to have a partner so you grow together. And then the sixth one is going to be how to be a missional team. And that's where it gets real. That's where it gets fun. Yeah, since John spoke today, we like to think, don't we, when I hear this story, you've heard it for years. I first came to Camp Barakel. There was this green book. I started reading it. And there was this guy named Uncle Johnny who hikes in. It was, it's quite a story. He hikes in on snowshoes. Is that a great Michigan story? Hikes in on snowshoes and sees this place and claims it for the Lord. And, and then he gets his brother to help him. And there's a big story. But same way with ever wonderful enterprise where God did something. Who started MAF? It was a girl, wasn't it? It was a girl that started MAF. I remember reading that. A girl, if you can imagine trying to be funny there. Anyway, boys and girls for Jesus. We're talking about people taking initiative to do things for the Lord and start ministries and do things and walk across the street and find somebody to invite. It's easier than you think and harder than you imagine, but this is what Jesus said he wanted us to do. And so obviously we repent and believe, we're baptized, we learn to walk in the spirit. Then we get together with others, we team up. All the commands, almost all the commands are given into the plural. So he never intended us really to obey them primarily as an individual, but as a team. So he wants to get into a team to grow and a team to reach out to help other people come to know the Lord. And that's what we're talking about. Now, let me give you an illustration that I think will help you to understand the spirit of this. And that's where soft biscuits and sausage gravy come in. Because that's the title of my sermon today, soft biscuits and sausage gravy. And the other day, Lois and I discovered something that made us both stop what we're doing and watch and listen with very careful attention. Did we not? I think it was the smiling providence of God that we stumbled on it because I was looking up the meaning for the cute little sayings that Lois had when I met her. She would say, well, he was just cutting a shine. And I would say, what is that? Or she'd say, he had a war pension. I'd say, what is a war pension? She just said stuff like that. I'd be like, what does that mean? Well, mountain people have their own stuff. They have their own way of cooking. They have their own way of talking. There's the genteel South. There's the Appalachian South. There's the deep South. Very interesting stuff. Well, we stumble on this lady, and while I'm looking up on the internet what these sayings mean and where they came from, we stumble on this lady whose name is Tipper Presley, and she has a website, has a, a YouTube channel called Celebrating Appalachia. And she's a YouTuber and Instagram influencer with a website called A Blind Pig and an Acorn. Not your common run-of-the-mill internet influencer stuff. This one, this lady has the mountains in her voice. And she was born and raised in the mountains. And she lived and married and raised her family in the mountains. And she's been living and worshiping and visiting among mountain people all of her life. And she's been paying attention. And she's been attentive to mountain traditions and habits and folkways. And on the website and on her YouTube channel, she uh, shares stuff that she's learned. 
what mountain sayings mean, where they came from, where the traditions came from, and how they're cherished. How to make cornbread in a skillet. It's on there, step-by-step -step instructions. You can't look away. You can almost smell it while she's doing it. She tells you how to make soft biscuits and sausage gravy. Lois and I just watched without speaking. It was so interesting. I said to Lois, isn't this interesting? I said, the person could just watch this kind of thing all day, couldn't they? And she said, I know what you're doing. And we did have banana nut bread before bedtime, by the way. What am I getting at? I know you think, what's the point of this? Here's the thing. When you come to church, I don't want to use the Bible to bury you under a tornado of sharp rocks of demands and duties that, that you're supposed to do. I want to pass on God's ways to you because they're sweet. Like a lady passes on mountain ways because you want to know how to make soft biscuits and cornbread and sausage gravy. And when my wife talks about her mamas that lived in the mountains of Kentucky, she talks about the things that they made and how good they were at making them. She said the other day, I wish I could have been there to get that skillet that mama Hatton, right? Not Banks. How, that mammal Hatton had, but it came up missing. Somebody else got it. One of the other family, family members curses to them and, and, she, and got, the, got the skillet for the cornbread. Now, you see, nobody was making her make cornbread or soft biscuits and sausage gravy. That was one of the things that they cherish and they say, this, our life depends on this kind of stuff. This you need to know how to do. If you can't do anything else, you need to be able to make soft biscuits and sausage gravy. You need to be able to put cornbread in front of your man. This is one of our ways. This is what we do. This is precious to us. Jesus left us a series of beautiful ways, of beautiful traditions to follow, like a beautiful path to a beautiful place in the woods. Not that it won't sometimes be hard, but Jesus said, look, when you learn this and you do this, there will be great joy for you and everyone who also follows me, who follows you following me. This is something you want to learn. That's what I'm talking about here. That's what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do in the simplest way is to say, here's some stuff that you can do so that you can follow Jesus and find him sweet to you and forever and other people can follow Jesus. And so here are some practices. And that's the, that's the fifth is the practices. So I'm going to go through them real quickly. I'm going, to serve, um, I'm going to center on one, but I'll list them quickly. You can see them in your little notes there. And these are super simple. You're going to go, really, that was it? Like, yeah, they're, but they're profound. Three of them are daily. Listen to God every day. Have a time every day. You should listen to God all day, every day. But you should have a special time every day that you quiet yourself I'm not even really talking initially about reading, although that's always going to be a big part. Reading your Bible is the best way to listen to God. But listen to God. Then the cumulative total of all the Bible teaching that you've had and all the Bible reading that you've done and all the reading about the Bible that you've done has a way of coming into your circumstances and coming back to your mind by the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to God every day. If you had a prayer partner, you could say, how you doing on that? And they might say, I haven't read my Bible in two or three days. Feel kind of bad about it. Well, let me pray for you. And in the morning, you don't turn on, you know, like Facebook until you read your Bible. Second, talk to God. And by the way, the scriptures are profound, uh, profoundly full of promises to those who meditate on God's word. You could take your Bible and you can turn to Psalm 1. And it's say, you're ble the blessed is the one 
a man, the woman. Blessed is the man who meditates on God's word day and night. You go to Psalm, 1, Psalm 19, Psalm 119, see promises, abundant promises. You go to the teaching of Jesus, and we did a whole series on this just recently, where Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your life depends on you hearing from God every day. So number one, listen to God every day. How you doing? Number two, talk to God every day. That's prayer. I was told this when I was a little boy, South Bend, Indiana, went forward in revival. Pastor Mead said, Kenny, three things, you do these, you grow. Read your Bible every day, pray every day, witness every day. Oh, it sounded simplistic, but it's, it's funny. I've been to seminars. I've been to seminary. I've been to lots of neat places and heard lots of great teaching. I don't think I've ever heard anything really better than, so did you listen to God today? Talk to God today? Talk about God today? So these are things that every Jesus follower should. Jesus was teaching that in Matthew in chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. He, you know, he talked about praying with others, and he talked about praying in a group. But Jesus, in his essence of praying, he said, go alone and pray. Go talk to God alone. Find a place alone where you talk to God. Get a closet. Get a, the cab of your truck. Rent the movie The War Room and watch it if that motivates you. But find a place where you get alone with God and you talk to him. He talks to you every day. You talk to him every day. And then you talk about him. Just get his name into the conversation every day. When you get older and, and when you get sharper, you can get all sophisticated about how good you are at witnessing and, and, and all of that. But in, in, in between, between now and then, just drop, drip God into your conversations. Lois and I did that at Olive Garden this week. I'll tell you the story about that a little bit later. But it was just like put him in the conversation about you gotta own him publicly. Like, you know, John Ford couldn't not talk about he's got a grandchild coming. That's what happens. You couldn't not say that. He wanted to say his daughter's name. Grand, that's because he's a good man. So good men do. When, and good men and good women, when they love the Lord, they got, it's like grandkids. You got to put it. And that sunrise, it wasn't. It was just a natural phenomenon. There, I know the one who created that sun. So it makes me pray when I think. So, and, and every day, the Bible says in Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. Remember, there's pulpit preaching. But a lot of times people don't do any public preaching or personal preaching because they are just making sure that the person in the pulpit has said all the right things in the right way. Now, you're nice to me, so I'm not picking on you. But, you know, a lot of times even pastors will say, we preach the gospel from this pulpit. I'm like, well, congratulations. Now go tell somebody who hasn't heard it somewhere. It's good that you preach the gospel here. But what's more important is that you preach the gospel at the restaurant and that you preach the gospel at school and that you preach the gospel at work because that's where real, live, lost people are who need the gospel. There's the public preaching and there's the personal work of the gospel, the telling the person that you work with of the gospel. And we've seen that happen here where like, we, I just looked out and I said, we had a sister here not too long ago. It wasn't very long ago. She witnessed and told the story of Jesus to somebody at work. It wasn't long after that. She was in the baptistry with her baptized. We, we had a guy get saved on the internet. And not long after that, he led a guy to the Lord that he worked with. And he baptized that. I baptized him. And then he baptized the guy he worked with. Now that's kind of cool. That's kind of what we're talking about. I want to say to the Lord, well, I can't make that stuff happen, but you can. Lord, I, I, so I'm going to do the first thing people should do, pray and wait on the Lord and say, Lord, I want to do that. So I'm going to get a friend, hey, pray with me that God will send us to somebody. 
Pray with me and hold me accountable. I was thinking about this. I'm repeating this, but I think it's, it's important to repeat. I wouldn't think of not preaching or having somebody preach here every week. We do it every week. We're faithful to preach every week. Every decent gospel preacher makes sure somebody is in the pulpit every week. Am I right? Of course I am. What, what if you couldn't preach here unless you had preached the gospel publicly or personally? In other words, the pulpit should not be an excuse to not preach the gospel publicly or personally. That should be an extension of preaching the gospel. Now, again, we're all a little different, so I get that. We want to form teams, we want to use our different gifts, but we, but, but we, but we do want to keep moving above that. And so I, I don't say this to pile sharp rocks of duty on you. I, I say this to introduce you how to make soft business and sausage gravy, how to make cornbread, how to, how to, this is a, these, are the, these are the ways of Jesus. You, you pray every day, you read the Bible every day, you talk to people about Jesus every day. Fourth, you have a growth partner or a grow group or somebody else you get with 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2 says, the things that you heard from me, uh, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see the generations in that? That's the way Christians think. Somebody taught me, then I'm going to teach somebody else so that they teach somebody else. You should be thinking like that. And if it's hard for you, just think about your granny and her cornbread. It's really nice that she didn't leave you without that knowledge that she had. Or whatever your favorite family recipe is, the banana nut bread. And I do say nuts because banana nut bread needs to have nuts in it because if it doesn't have nuts, it's not banana nut bread. So think about that. that. That's to have a growth partner. It's like somebody else that you're with or a little group that you're with. Here's the way one church does it. It's kind of a neat idea. They say, here at our church, we have the row, the circle, the chair. In that church, they have the row. That's what we're doing right now. You're singing row. I'm talking to you. You're not really talking back much. But the circle is when you get to talk. And you, you say, well, wait a minute. Well, so what did you mean by that? Or, or what, not, I'm not sure that applies to me. Or uh, how would I do that in the circle? You want to have a circle. And then a chair is the, the alone thing. But this is the heart of what I'm driving at today. The number four helps us do the number one, two, three. In other words, when you meet with somebody else to pray with them, then they're like, how is, are you listening to the Lord? Are you talking for the Lord? Are you talking to the Lord? How's it going? That, that's number four. Number five is faithful assembly. Obviously on our Bethel wheel, that's, that's kind of where many of us begin. Hey, we gather together. That's what you're doing right now. We assemble faithfully. The Bible says don't neglect that. Even more as the time of the Lord's return appears to be coming in Hebrews 10, 25. So we give attendance and attention and communion at church uh, when we gather and giving Corporate communion, corporate giving, corporate confession, corporate praise, corporate acts of service and kindness, corporate love, coming together and looking at one another. Sometimes I might think, oh, I don't know if I want to go to church today because I have heard everything that Ken has to say. He kind of repeats himself, and I don't know if I really want to hear any more of that. It's like, okay. I mean, that's not okay. That's actually wicked. Shame on you. But okay, you think that way. But there might be somebody there who needs you to look at them and go, how are you doing? Or you are really important to me. Or did you, I have a chainsaw. Do you need help with your logs? And I notice in the front yard, those look heavy. And if you want me, I can come over and help you with that. Mine are good. Uh, they were in the yard, and, and, and my wife would say every once in a while, when are you going <laughs> to... I'm on thin ice here. When are you going to get the logs out of the yard? I'm like, spring. Like when I can go out there without risking hypothermia. That's when 
I didn't say that. I just kind of mumbled like I was busy. And then I was on the phone with it yesterday or the day before. You got to be careful what you do because it's going to be a sermon illustration. You know how that works. And so we, I'm sitting there talking to one of my daughters on the phone. And Lois drives up, gets out of her car, and she goes and gets a hold of one of those lug trucks, dragging it out of the yard. And I'm like, well, I guess I need to help now. So I should probably go. <laughs> so I get, and she's like, you want to give me a hand? I go, no, what you doing there? Um, anyway. So we go, and I have no idea what that had to do with my message. Anyway, yeah, I don't need you to help me cut up my logs, but there's probably somebody out there who could use some help on that. Me and Lois got it. But I mean, for, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's a thing. So, so we assemble faithfully because that's what it means to be churches. You, you assemble. But the things that you do when you assemble are important, besides just hearing somebody talk. And sixth, then, you say, what, what ministry team shall I join? I, you know, you, you have a way. You have a skill that you can give to the Lord. You get that. And then how, then how can we form a team that somebody started that camp? Somebody started that camp one day. You say, well, I'm not a good camp starter. Well, those camp starter people don't mind you coming and helping them. They're funny like that. By the way, can I always remind you, whenever you go to Camp Barakal and you get to stay on the west side and they ring the bell for you to eat, I just wanted to mention that's the Bethel Bell. Because the Bethel men put that bell there. I just want to say that. So in case you ever go to Barakel and you're on the west side, and they ring the bell. The bell was there before the Bethel guys, but they built the tower for the old bell that's there. And I'm proud of them. Anyway, they formed a ministry team. And so like the, the, the sound people form a ministry team so that this message can go out to others that are shut in or that maybe haven't come to church and they should have today, but they're listening in. Or maybe they're just having a really tough week and they're still listening in. And so they form a ministry team. But then there's the missional team. And that's the team that says, how can we get this message to others? Like the Shipley family, they were a mess. Their family was broken up. Mom and dad were separated. Mom and dad were divorced. And then the man that mom was living with, they, had, they got into, the little boy was crying one night and he was missing his dad. And so the man that mom was living with says, well, I think I'm just gonna take you back and drop you off. And then they just gather him up and dropped him off in the night. And then they were uh, sad. But there was this little church, it wasn't a big church, it's just a little church. For years, it didn't have a full-time pastor. Just a little church down in the corner. It was the Bertrand Bible Church. They had a Bible school. They had a chalk artist. They put up a tent. The little girls saw the tent. They went down. They heard about Jesus. They believed. But not long after that, they had to move. They moved to Dwajak, Michigan. One of the girls went to the Church of Christ. The other girl decided to go to Calvary Bible Church. The girl in the Church of Christ, she says, we need angels in our choir for Christmas. Her name was Sue. She says to her sister Jane, they need angels in the choir. So Jane says, okay. You know, I'll come, or she goes over. But Jane says to Sue, if I go to your church this week, you got to go to my church next week. So Sue and Jane go back to Calvary Bible Church the next week, and Jane, Sue never leaves Calvary Bible Church because the pastor there was a pastor named Pastor Robbins. They met Pastor Robbins because they were renting a, an apartment from a lady named Mrs. Rice, and Mrs. Rice was praying for them, and Mrs. Rice died, and Pastor Robbins did the funeral. And then the mom, Charlotte, went to the funeral and got saved. And then the pastor, Pastor Robbins and Mrs. Robbins helped them find a place to rent. And they got back together, the mom and dad, 
got remarried and got back together. And, and then they had this, this house that they got was filthy. And Charlotte said, I don't know if I can stand cleaning it out. The bathroom is so filthy. When I go in there, I just gag. And Mrs. Robbins, the pastor's wife, says, well, why don't I come down and help you? And Mrs. Robbins came down, and she wrapped a cloth around her face, and she went in the bathroom, and she didn't come out until it was clean. And Charlotte Oz remembered the pastor's wife came in and cleaned her bathroom with a rag around her face, and their whole family was changed. Of course, you know I'm talking about my grandmother, Charlotte, and my mom, Jane, and my aunt, Sue. And when I hear stories about that, I just imagine these little churches, Birchham Bible Church still today is not a big fancy church. It's just a little church on a corner. And the Calvary Bible Church is just a little church out in a small town. But there were people there that were trying to follow Jesus and they were trying to help other people follow Jesus. And the other night, Lois and I went to Olive Garden and the girl that waited on us, the second time she's waiting on us, her name's Crystal. And I said to Crystal, are you a Christian? And she says, you know, I am. And she said, you see my pin? And her pin was a cross with olive branches on it. I said, you go to church? She says, I can't because I'm a single mom and I have three kids and I work all the time. And, and I really can't on Sunday because I work. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I said, I was going to invite you to our church. She says, where are you? I said, I'm at Bethel, which is up. Oh, well, I know where that is because you had those. We had, you had a kid's thing and you had the inflatables. You had two inflatables inside. My kids loved that. They came and they loved that, she said. I said, oh, I didn't know if that really worked. I wasn't sure who all came. But Crystal did and her kids. Lois says, you make sure and give her a good tip. Because <laughs> we normally just sniff the waitress. But anyway, <laughs> she said, make sure you give her a good tip. And I thought, oh, we got to send one of our ladies over to Crystal and, uh, and tell them about maybe bring them some Easter baskets or something. Somebody could reach out to her. It would be a missional team, wouldn't it? That's what I'm talking about. Everybody get a buddy. You say, well, I'm not sure what to do. Well, get together with them. That's what I'm saying. Just get, get a buddy and, and pray. Start there. If you want tips, I'm full of tricks and tips. I'll tell you all kinds of ideas. But the Holy Spirit could probably give you better ideas than mine. But if you got, would you, would you consider that? So Ken White's going to come give you a blessing. But can I ask you very directly, not to pile a sharp rock of duty on you. The one we're following, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He empowers us to do things we can't do. But would you be willing to get a partner in prayer that would encourage you to pray and read your Bible and witness and be on a mission, mission uh, on a team? Would you, would you be willing to do that? Uh, I, I pray as we're dismissed that God will move upon your heart and let me know that you do that. Let's stand together and Ken's going to offer prayer to bless you and whatever else he has on his mind.